Matthew chapter number 19. God has been so good to us. And, uh, you know, I, I've said this often. There's, there are churches out there and there are preachers out there that will teach you that God's will is that we don't get sick and that we all be wealthy. Can I tell you, the Bible never promises any of that. They're, they're not being truthful to you. In fact, the Bible says, "Ye ain't all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. There's going to come trials. And you say, well, then what's the whole benefit of being saved? The benefit of being saved is when those trials come, Jesus is with us. And uh, the song that we just sang, I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. Uh, I'm glad that we have someone that we can turn to in the middle of the valley when it's the darkest of dark. I saw a thing just this past week that was posted, I think, on Facebook or somewhere like that. And uh, it was an idea that when you're riding a train and you go through a tunnel, you don't get scared and jump off the train. You just trust that the engineer knows what he's doing. And uh, can I tell you, in the darkest of times, when our life goes through some valleys, it's not time to run from God and abandon it, but to come to God and to cling to Him and to trust Him that He knows the way. And uh, I'm thankful that we have a Savior like that. Uh, He not only has saved my soul, but the Bible tells me that He is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It tells me that if I'll acknowledge Him in all my ways, He will direct my paths. And so not only has He saved my soul, but He will guide me and He will direct me and show me the way I ought to live. And you say, Brother Greg, how does He do that? Does He talk to you? He does, but He does it through His Word. When I read this book, I hear the heart of God and the mind of God, and I happen to know the things that He is thinking of. And uh, I heard somebody, an old preacher, say at one time, when we, when we read the Word of God, we open the mind of God. He said, let's see what God's thinking of today, all right? And he turned to the Bible. Let's go to Matthew chapter number 19, and uh, we'll see what God is thinking, all right? Matthew chapter number 19. And uh, good to have some of Miss June's daughters with us here today. And uh, didn't mean to overlook you too. And certainly a joy to have you here. And Keith's got a friend with you today, don't you hear? And is this friend of yours? Devin, okay. Good to have you here with us, Devin. And certainly a joy. And good to see Brother Richard back there. Always a joy to have him. Brother Richard Center over here also. And uh, yes, ma'am. Sister, okay. All right. Okay, well, y'all are looking so young, you just look like all sisters together. So, did I get some good brownie points for that one or what? So, very good. Good to have you. And I uh, don't know that I've had a chance to meet you before, but good to have you here. And certainly enjoy. Matthew chapter number 19. And uh, we'll begin reading in verse number 16. Matthew chapter 19 and verse number 16. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good Master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which? Jesus saith, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up, what lack I yet? And Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. 
Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceeding amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Father, we pray that you'll bless the message this morning and speak to our hearts. May we rightly understand this passage. Lord, some could read it and come up with a wrong idea and a wrong um, uh, thought that man can do things to earn their salvation, but that is not at all what you've said here. In fact, you've said quite the opposite. And I pray that you would help us to learn from this particular passage vividly how uh, we can uh, know that we are on our way to heaven. And, uh, Father, would you work in our hearts... I pray that you would bless those here that uh, are visiting. Uh, Certainly joy to have them here, that it will be an encouragement to them. For our members that are here, may we rejoice in what you have done for us, and may we grow in our faith and be strengthened in the inner man. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We read here of a rich young man. The Bible tells us this because he was exceeding sorrowful because he had a lot of wealth, a lot of riches, and a lot of goods And he comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a true story. It actually happened uh, during the time that Christ was on the earth, a little over 2,000 years ago. The fellow comes to him, and he refers to him as a good master. And he asks this question. I think it's very important for us to understand what Jesus is teaching here, to understand the question that the young man is asking. He starts off by saying, What good thing shall I... What's the next word here? It's a little two-letter word. Do that I may have eternal life. He's trying to find out what what he can do to earn his way, what good deeds he must accomplish in order to gain eternal life. Now, understand this, that God is a holy God and without sin. He cannot fellowship. In fact, the Bible tells us, and I think it's 1 John, that uh, God is light and in Him is no darkness And he goes on to say, at all. There's not even an inkling of darkness in him. There's not one spot of sin. There's not one spot of error in God. God is absolute holiness and absolute perfection. And because of that, in order for you and I to be able to fellowship with Him, we must have absolute perfection. Not just our goods outweighing our bads, but there has to be absolute perfection for there to be a reconciliation. One of two things has to happen. Either God has to become like man and become sinful for us to be able to fellowship with Him, or we have to become like God and be able to fellowship with God this way. And that's the only way that the fellowship works. Now, I want us to understand something here. As we get to verse number 19, this young man was saying, I think I can do some things that will help me to be reconciled to God. And Jesus tells him, He says, if you want to do this, if you're sincere about knowing this, this truth then let me tell you here. And he begins in verse number 17 by saying, Why callest thou me good? He makes a statement here that's very, very crucial. There is none. Do you see that word there? There is none what? Good, but one. And that is God. There is not one man that has ever lived perfect. Can I tell you this? That is a sad, sad thought. Because if there is not one man that has ever lived perfect, 
then according to what God has said here so far, you and I cannot have a relationship with God. There is perfect here, and He cannot become like us or He'll cease to be God. There is imperfection here, and according to Jesus, He says, not one of us. Not one of us is good. The only one that's good, the only one that's perfect, is God Himself. We must keep this point in mind in order to understand what He teaches this young man. That there is a a gulf between perfection and imperfection. And there is no way that you and I can ever get to the place where God is and have fellowship with Him. You and I cannot do that. It is not difficult. It is impossible. Very important that we understand this because some people have taught this passage in a wrong way and they've said, well, it's difficult. No, no. It's impossible. It cannot happen with man. Notice what he says here as we get down to verse number uh, 17. He says, that, uh, There's none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which? Which commandments do I keep? And Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, let me stop for a moment and mention this. God is not saying here that if you keep those things right there specifically, that you will go to heaven and you'll have everlasting life. That you will live a perfect life or that that will make you perfect. You say, Brother Greg, how do you know that he's not saying that? It says, if they want to enter into life, in verse 17, it says, if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. How do you know that he's not teaching that if they kept these things that they would make it into heaven? Because look in verse number 20. The young man saith unto him, all these things have I kept from my youth up. Notice this phrase, what lack I yet? The young man said, I've kept these commandments. And yet the young man was smart enough to understand and realize he still had not met God's demand. Can I tell you this? You can keep the commandments of Scripture in every point. You could do so for your entire life and still not meet God's demand of holiness. You still would not be perfect. In fact, Romans chapter number 3 and verse number 23 says, For all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. John taught in one of his epistles that if a man say he is without sin, he is a liar and the truth is not in him. Every person that has been born of a woman, except for the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, who was God in the flesh, every man that has been born of woman, with His exception, has been born because of a sinful nature as sinners. You and I do not meet the criteria of a holy God. And I'll tell you, at this point in the, in the story and what we're teaching today... Our hearts ought to fall. Our, 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 our anxiety ought to be there. Then I'm lost. I can't make it to God. I can't have fellowship with Him. I can't spend an eternity with God. I can't even stand in His presence because He is holiness and I am sin. But notice what he goes on to say here. The Bible says in verse number 20, The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus saith unto him, If thou wilt be perfect... Not just good. He said, if you'll be perfect, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But the young man 
But when the young man heard that saying, notice this, the Bible says he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now, I want us to understand something here, that the young man realized the first time that Jesus said, keep all the commandments, he said which, and he told them the commandments to keep. The young man already realized that no matter how hard he tried, no matter what he did with the, the actions that he could do, he had already started to come to the realization, and the light was already beginning to dawn on him, that he could not meet God's demand. Had the young man obeyed God in the second point, had he gone out after verse number 21 and given all of his goods to the poor and come back to the Lord Jesus Christ again and said, Okay, I have now kept all the commandments from a youth. I now have given all of my riches to the poor. Christ would have given him something else again. And what Jesus was trying to teach the young man was this. There is not one thing that man can do to inherit eternal life. There is not enough good in us. There is not enough holiness that God would allow us to be in relationship with Him. To have a walk with Him. To have Him to be a part of our life. Look with me, if you will, as we get to verse number 22. When the young man heard the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man can hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, he's not saying that a rich man cannot enter into heaven. What he is saying here in the next verse is that a rich man, and within the context of this passage, a rich man that is trusting his riches. Because he says this in verse 24. Or let me, let me put it this way. A rich man that's trusting anything else other than God. Things that he can do. Things that he can control. In verse 24 he says, And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. I want to tell you right now, there have been some preachers that have tried to preach this a different way and say, well, it's very, very difficult for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. I'll tell you this, it's impossible. It cannot happen. I've heard preachers get up and say, well, that's talking about the needle gate. There was a little gate in Jerusalem, in the walls of Jerusalem, that was referred to as the Needle Gate. The two problems with that. Number one is, it was not mentioned as the Needle Gate here. It said the Eye of a Needle. And secondly, it wasn't even called the Needle Gate until 300 years after the time of Christ. So he wouldn't be referring and trying to teach them something, referencing something that it wasn't even going to be around for another 300 years. What Jesus is saying is exactly what he has said here. That it would be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man. And in the context of what he's dealing here with, these disciples have just seen what has transpired. They understand what the young man has understood. And that is that he had great wealth and trusting in anything that he could do that he could not get to heaven. Trusting his wealth, trusting his keeping of the commandments, trusting his generosity... None of that. His good deeds, none of that was going to get him to heaven. Jesus said, if that's what he's trusting, it would be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. He wasn't talking about how hard it was. He was talking about the impossibility of it. Can I tell you this today? That this world teaches often 
I'll be real frank with you. There are religious groups and there are people that will stand in pulpits of churches and tell you that if you do certain things, you'll make it to heaven. Can I tell you this? The Bible teaches otherwise. The Bible teaches that there is no way that a man trusting in anything that man can do can make it to heaven. So much so that Jesus said it'd be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. That means it's more difficult for a man trusting in what man can do to get to heaven than it would be for that camel to go through the eye of a needle. If it's impossible for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, how much more impossible is it for a man to make it into heaven trusting what man can do? You say, then, Brother Greg, where's the good news? (laughs) It's coming. Are you ready? That's the bad news. That's the news that every man in this world needs to fully understand. If we don't understand that, then everything else that we say from this point on doesn't matter. We must understand, I cannot make it to heaven. I cannot do it. I cannot enter into a relationship with God because I am sinful and He is holy. Notice what the Bible says here. When His disciples heard it, then were, they were exceeding amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? Well, wait a minute, Jesus. If a man cannot do anything to get saved, there's nothing he can do that would reconcile him to God, then, then who can be saved? Notice what Jesus says here, and He gives this answer, and I love it. But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is hard. Is that what it says? No, he's not speaking about how hard it is. This is difficult. Is that what it says? No, because he's not talking about how difficult it is. He says, with men, it is what? It's impossible. You and I must realize this. Pastor Greg didn't say this. God said this in His Word. A man trying to get to heaven by what man can do, it is impossible. But with God... Are you ready? This is the second part of the verse. But with God, all things are possible. What's he saying? If man's trusting what man can do, it can't happen. The only way is for man to trust what God has done for him. God sent His Son 2,000 years ago. Jesus walked on this earth for 33 and a little a few few months, 33 years and a few months. He lived a perfect and a sinless life. And in fact, the Bible says that he was in all points tempted as we are. So lest we sit here and say, well, Jesus had it easy because he was God and he didn't have to go through all the temptations I do. Oh, yes, he did. The Bible says he was tempted like as we are and yet without what? Without sin. That means that he was perfect. What he did is he came before God and he said, God, I'm going to go down there and since Greg cannot be perfect, Greg cannot get in a relationship with you, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to pay this price for Greg, this this sin debt that he owes, and I'm going to take my record, my perfect record, and I'm going to lay it right over top of Greg's. I'm going to apply it to his life so that He then can be reconciled to you. Not because I'm perfect, but because Christ was perfect. 
Because Christ paid the price for me. A man cannot come to God by himself and, and by the things that he does. If any of us ever come to God and say, God, what good thing can I do to inherit eternal life? God would say it's impossible. Jesus told, told His disciples and those uh, that were watching, I believe it's in, uh, look, let's look in, uh, I think it's John chapter 14, if I believe, if I'm correct, I believe. John chapter number 14. We'll begin reading in verse number 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. That's a great statement, isn't it? You know why Jesus said that? Because people were beginning to realize, I can't make it. I can't do it on my own. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Why? Because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. They are one and the same. They, they are the Godhead. We put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. John says, you believe in God, believe also in me. He goes on to say, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. And then he makes a peculiar statement. He says, whither I go you know, and the way you know. He said, you know where I'm going, and you know the way to get there. Thomas, one of the disciples, was listening. And he says unto him, in verse number 5, Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus finally describes it to Thomas in a way that he can really understand. Aren't you glad Jesus puts the jelly on the bottom shelf so we can all understand it? I'm telling you, a first grader, a kindergartner can understand this truth. Thomas said, I don't know where you're going. How can I know the way? And Jesus said, I am the, not a, the way. There's only one. A lot of people say, well, there's a lot of different paths to God. No, there's only one. You have to come through the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. When we get to a place in our hearts and in our lives where we say, I understand, I, I, it, it makes sense, the Bible has now shown me, I cannot make it to heaven on my own. Jesus understood that. And so He came down here and He paid my price for me, my sin debt. He paid for the sin that I committed. Didn't have to. He simply did it because He loved me. And by the way, He did it for you too. He came down and paid that sin debt. He died on the cross. He was buried, the Bible says, for three days and three nights. He was in that tomb. And on that third day, He rose from the dead by His own power. Isn't that a wonderful thing? I don't serve a God who's dead and in the grave. I serve a living Savior. He's in this world, and I know that He lives because He lives inside of me. It's a wonderful thing to know that I have a Savior. The Bible says that He stands on the right hand, or sits at the right hand of the throne of God, making intercession for us. You know what that means? It means that there are times where Satan comes to God and says, there's old Greg down there, and he sinned again. And you know what that sin means? That means I got him. 
That means I've got Him for eternity. He's coming to this place of hell and torment with me for eternity. God, He sinned. That's the penalty of sin. That's what you said. He's done it. He deserves it. And Jesus steps forward and says, Father, I've already paid for it. Put it on my account. And when God looks at me, He doesn't see my old wretched sinful condition. He sees the perfectness of His own precious Son. And all of a sudden, I'm allowed to have fellowship with God. Not because I've been perfect, but because of Jesus Christ who said, I'll be perfect for Him. And He can now be in relationship with my Father. Oh, what a Savior. The rich young ruler realized and recognized something. He came to a realization that he could not save himself. You know the sad thing? This is a true story. It actually happened in Scripture. This isn't just one of the parables that Jesus made up. This young man came to Christ. He was seeking for eternal life and salvation. He wanted it. And oh, I believe he wanted it desperately. He wanted it at least so bad that he had made an effort throughout his life to keep the commandments. And that's, that's, uh, that says a lot for him. That's how much he longed for eternal life. You know what the sad thing of this is? When he finally realized that there was nothing that he could trust that he could do, and that it was going to require him letting go of all that he could trust and saying, I'm only going to trust the Lord Jesus Christ. When it came to that point, the Bible says he walked away and he was sorrowful. He wanted to do it himself. He wanted to have reason. He was a man of influence. People looked up to him. People lauded over him. People glorified him for his wealth, I'm certain. And he wanted to be able to go around and tell people, I've done what God has required and I have made it to heaven. Can I tell you this? That's why Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 9 says, lest any man should boast. If you and I could save ourselves, we'd get the glory for it. God is the one that needs the glory for it. He's the one that we got to point people to. He's the one that we got to lift up and make sure people understand that I didn't make it to heaven because of what Greg Boer did. I could live a great life. I could live a life giving everything I have away. I could live a life showing kindness and helping people. And I mean, I could give my life uh, in such a way that it would make Mother Teresa look like, a, like, like she was heathen. I could do that, and it would not be enough. It wouldn't be enough. I've got to let go of what I can do and put my faith in Jesus Christ because with men it is impossible. But with God... All things are possible. He's the one that makes salvation possible. He's the one that allows me to go to heaven when I die. My faith and trust in Him is what gives me eternal life, not what I do. And the saddest thing of this whole passage is the Bible says that this young man turned and went away sorrowful. And we never hear of him again. Unless somewhere the Holy Spirit of God got a hold of that young man's heart, showed him 
that he needed to give up his faith in himself and trust only in the Lord Jesus Christ for his salvation. Unless that happened sometime between this encounter and the time that he died, that young man is in hell today. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being that close to putting their faith and trust in God and then walking away? He's been there for over 2,000 years in a place of torment. I wonder how many times in his mind he thought, Oh, I wish I had not walked away. For him to get that close, to have an earnest desire to be saved, and to be that close, but walk away. I think the torments of hell are beyond anything you and I could ever imagine. I believe that there is a literal fire. There is certainly torment and torture to the body in hell. Not for a period of time, but for eternity. But can I tell you this? I don't believe there is any anguish of hell that is any greater than the anguish of one's minds as they begin to think, I was that close. And I walked away. All I had to do was trust Christ. All I had to do was put my faith in Him. And I walked away. That young man will live with that decision for eternity. Can I encourage us in two things today? Number one, you're here today, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. Do it today. Make that decision today. You don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell anybody in this church. You have to tell the Lord Jesus Christ. Let Him know. He knows your heart. Cry out to Him. Say, Lord, I know I can't save myself. I'm trusting You today. Today, I'm trusting You to give me salvation, to forgive me of my sin, to give me a home in heaven for eternity. You can make that decision today. You say, well, I'm going to be embarrassed to do that. We, we don't even need to know about it. I'll be real frank with you. The only person that matters is God and you. I'll tell you this. <laughs> Once you get saved, it's such a joyful thing. I think a lot of people go around telling others about it. But you don't have to. If you're worried about being embarrassed or telling people about it, can I tell you this? Don't let that stop you from putting your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't let that stop you from trusting Him today. With men, it's impossible. We can't do it. But with God, all things are possible. The Bible says that He is able to save them to the uttermost, to them who believe. I'm thankful that it doesn't matter how much of a sinner I've been, God is able to save me. 
By the way, I'm thankful that it doesn't matter how good I have tried to be in my life. God is able to save me. We often talk about how God saves the very wicked and the very ungodly. And I tell you this, even those of us who try to live a moral life and a good life, before we trusted Christ as our Savior, we were still sinful and we were still lost. Just like the other sinner that's down in the gutter. And we still needed to be saved just like him. This young man came to Christ. He said, Good Master. And Jesus said, Why callest thou me good? There is none good save God. He's the only one that's perfect. He's the only one that's good. The rest of us all need a Savior. Every single one of us. We all need to trust Him as our Savior. The second thing I would say, not only if you're not saved today, would you make today the day? Would you put your faith and trust in today? Secondly, I would say this. For those of us that have trusted Christ as our Savior, can we take this and share it with others? This world is full of people who are headed to a place of hell, and most of them, and many of them do not even know it. They're oblivious to it. They have no idea. They've been told other things. Can I tell you this? I'd far rather trust what God says about it. I've learned a couple things in my life. I've learned that man makes mistakes, and I've learned that men lie. I've learned those things. And can I tell you this? I've learned this that God never makes a mistake and God never lies. In this world, there are two points of view. There's the point of view of what man says it takes to get to heaven and there's a point of view of what God says it takes to go to heaven. Having learned the two things that I've learned in this life, can I tell you this, without any shadow of a doubt, hands down, I am not going to trust what man thinks we have to do to get to heaven. But I am absolutely going to trust what God says we have to do to get to heaven. Why? Because He never is wrong. And He never lies. I want to encourage you, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior today, today's the day. You can do it today. You can do it in the privacy of your own seat. You can do it in the privacy of your own home. You can come to an altar if you want to. It doesn't matter. God will meet you where you're at. But get that decision taken care of today. Christian friend, let me encourage us. One of the greatest story, one of the greatest truths, one of the greatest news that man has ever heard is not only are they lost and undone, but that God came to save them. And we need to make sure men know that. Can we can we redouble our efforts? Can we make a new commitment to God? Lord, I'm going to do all that I can to share this wonderful news with those that have never heard. I want to encourage us in that today. Shall we stand together, please, with heads bowed and eyes closed? Father, we're so thankful for Your Word. We pray that You'll bless it. Lord, may we understand the truth of it. May it make sense to us. I pray that if we have anyone here today, uh, we have a lot of visitors. Lord, I don't know if they're all saved or not. But the truth of the matter is we have a lot of members here, a lot of people who come every week. And the truth of that is I don't know if they're saved or not. Lord, only a man knows in his own heart whether he has ever trusted you as, their, as his Savior or not. And I pray that today every person in this room would have a certainty and a knowledge of the time that they have made that decision consciously and said, I believe this and I'm going to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone. 
And Lord, if there's someone here today that has never done that, Father, I don't need to know about it. But I pray that they would make that decision today. For those that are Christians and those that have trusted You as their Savior, those that have put their faith in You, Lord, may we redouble our efforts. May we recommit ourselves to do all that we can to take this book and what it teaches and to teach others and show others what Your opinion, what Your mindset is, what Your uh, desire is for every man. Lord, I'd much rather go by what You say about going to heaven than what man says. And Lord, I pray that You'd help me to be diligent and help others in this room to be diligent to take this truth from this wonderful, wonderful book and share it with others. Make sure that they understand and that they know. Bless the invitation time. And Father, use it as You would see fit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.